Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and back to our werewolves. Let's continue where we left off. If you hear any noise in the background, remember, it's just my dogs. You know what they're like. If they have balls, they're playing with balls, or they're eating, or they're fussing, or they're snoring. But it's usually the dogs. <laughs> Navajo werewolves and animal mysteries. It's common knowledge. Christopher Columbus was not the first European to set foot in the New World. Roughly 500 years before the Man of October Honor landed in the West Indies, a Viking named Leif Erikson landed much closer to North America proper. Archaeology seems to indicate that Erikson made a settlement in Newfoundland just after 1000 CE, calling the discovered region Vinland. No one knows the extent of the cultural impact these Vikings might have had on any sort of Native Americans who lived nearby or happened upon the foreign settlement. It is possible that they carried across the sea and transmitted from the land of the berserkers the belief in animal-human hybrids and shape-shifting. Question mark. Could it be possible, guys? While any assimilation of European folklore into Native American tribes is difficult to trace, it seems as if sort of select tribes from around North America developed similar beliefs independently. A perfect example is the Navajo, centred in what is now the American Southwest. To the Navajo, certain animal-based legends are so organic, a part of their belief system, that it seems impossible to imagine their culture without these ideas fully integrated. A tricky, talented coyote. Navajo mythology contains an anthropomorphic coyote god, referred to in translations as a proper noun, coyote, in his most light-hearted tales. Coyote is a trickster and always up to mischief. Shamanistic cultures always seem to have a trickster god, almost as if it serves some need for balancing humour with serious pursuits like the occult. In darker beliefs attributed to him, coyotes tied to evil and witchcraft. So important was this upright walking dog of sorts that he is tied to the Navajo's creation myths, performing actions so archetypical and part of a collective unconscious that they have appeared in other cultures, early myths, for example. Coyote caused a great flood in one myth. Coyote is also tied to death. Its physical spawn real world, running, howling coyotes, have been viewed with superstitious fear by the Navajo. As a result, depending on the era of religious development in the tribe, seeing a coyote or having come across your path, a coyote if it walked sort of across your path, was an omen of death, or that you were viewing an evil person returned from the underworld in canine form. Perhaps the most interesting attribute of Coyote is his ability to shapeshift. The mythological power of his combined with what he's already obviously half-man look. They walk upright, by the way. Led to some natural connections in the minds of the Navajo. Some Navajo believe that painting one's face like Coyote could allow for a shift into a sort of were-creature though not necessarily a were-coyote. 
Curiously, the Navajo did not spread many legends of were-coyotes. Their creatures of the night were still werewolves proper than the original werewolves. Hogan haunting werewolves. When dealing with a culture that has been around long enough to have its belief systems passed down orally, you begin to expect that legends will morph and combine or get a whole lot better over time. That usually happens. The Navajo belief in werewolves has definitely been subjected to this. We can no longer clearly identify about when the first belief in werewolves appeared in the tribe, and we can't hope to separate the more phantom-like beliefs from the ones that seem to indicate fur and bone beings. With that said, the beliefs overall do point more to the idea of spiritual rather than physical lycanthropy. The opening anecdote where we dramatised, you know, the sacred child and blah, 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 well, in the Navajo village, could have believed that this was sort of the crawling on top of a hogan or hut. Um, it's a spiritual thing that's, that's done, basically. So there was a book, 1945, Navajo Beliefs, called Spin a Silver Dollar. And Alberta Hannum shares some other clues that seem to indicate the werewolf may be a spiritual one. This is what it states. Sometimes the wolf would knock four times. Sometimes the people inside the Hogan would only hear the footfalls from the roof and know it was a wolf there. But always, with or without warning, the wolf appeal appeared with paralysing slowness to its victims, peeping around the corner of a door blanket or letting just its eyes show for a while over the hole in the roof, and then slowly the rest of him. That was written in a book back then. No matter the size of the fire hole in the roof, it's on top of. The werewolf can always somehow get through, and does so gracefully in description after description. There would be nothing agonisingly slow about an eight-pound non-supernatural wolf coming down through a hole it managed to fit through and few werewolves have ever been described as being the same size or an ordinary wolf. Obviously, real wolves differ from the aforementioned description in ways other than they're not being able to defy gravity and sort of passageway-sized constraints. They wouldn't fit down them, would they? Real wolves typically don't knock, let alone knock four times, also, a great many of these beliefs contain a sleeping witness who wakes up either from the noise or merely by sensing that something sinister is approaching. Folklore is full of experience that involve waking up in the middle of the night, sensing that something other is nearby, and then being unable to move as this thing makes its way towards the victim. In vampires, the occult truth, there is this situation, it's called a hag attack. Um, the hag attack is well known. Um, it's kind of like a witch, but a very bad witch. And she brings on sleep paralysis. You know, it's like that. Um, they attach to a victim. And it's like um, the hag will suck your energy while you're in sleep paralysis mode. Eventually you will die. It's like a curse, you know. 
The attacks during which something other is sensed in the room at night are not always of a draining nature, though, so you have to understand that the hag is different in that way, just like the supernatural and spiritual vampires, they suck away your energy. Sometimes they just feature a feeling of terror. Sometimes they're so violent, it has to be hard for sceptics to take seriously. Complete with victims being scratched and tossed about the room. Can Phantom Werewolf experiences be yet another culture interpretation of the hag attack or the night visitor phenomenon? Basically, can it be attributed to sleep paralysis? After all, one can argue that in modern sci-fi friendly times, the alien abduction experience is a little more than our minds dressing up the same sensation of being visited. The idea that Navajo werewolves could be sorcerers visiting enemies in astral form is not exactly unprecedented. The cultural culture intimately associates werewolves with sorcery. I mean, that's a fact. Just like in so many other cultures, werewolves are associated with witches and sorcery. Changing into an animal to get to a witch's meeting was believed to be standard operating procedure for the supernatural beings living in the tribe. These witches, they were called, um, I think it was Yi Naaldulushi, and their practice was similar to some of the voluntary werewolves of Europe. The sorcerer would wear the animal's skin in a ritual, which is where the phrase Yi Naaldulushi comes from as it means those who trot about with it, meaning the animal skin. For this reason, the sorcerers were also called skinwalkers, a general term that is not exclusive to the Navajo. If a typical superstitious tribe member entered someone's hut and saw a coyote or wolf skin lying there, their first conclusion he or she would draw is that the owner of the hut was a skinwalker or witch capable of shape-shifting, never mind the lack of Clothing stuff in the Navajo to go pick something to wear, of course. That didn't come into it. Having an animal skin was just proof enough. That's it. You were a werewolf or a shapeshifter or a witch. So, with all these elements introduced, can we conclude whether the Navajo believe that this shapeshifting to be spiritual or physical? <clears throat> Adding extra weight to the idea that the werewolves had no weight at all in the belief that Navajo skinwalkers could move at unnatural speeds. Yes, especially on the way to their meetings. William Morgan, an anthropologist who interviewed the Navajo in the 1930s, was told that a skinwalker could cover the same distance in an hour and a half than, say, a current car could travel in four hours. This certainly seems to mesh nicely with the sensation most commonly reported by those who have an out-of-body experience the rush of moving almost instantaneously to a destination or back into one's body. Again, it's easy to accept an occult belief. It plays nicely, doesn't it, with the other beliefs? It fits in. The strange encounter from 1970 seems to bear out the high-speed type of lycanthrope. Four young adults driving in New Mexico were startled to find that a wolf-like creature running on two legs was easily keeping up with their car, even at a speed of 60 miles per hour. One of the group was a violent type, apparently, as he pulled out a gun and shot the mysterious creature. They stopped and watched the beast 
fall as if the bullet affected it. But this didn't turn out to be the case. The creature quickly got up and they were able to see that it didn't have any blood on it. It then ran off in a different direction, just as quickly as it had done before. Interesting. Interesting sighting. Obviously 1930s. It's not that long ago, really, when you think about it. It seems long ago, but it's not. It's actually fairly recent, considering. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to go into Deadly Arts and see what that's all about. Thank you for listening and many blessings.